From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back to the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first visit, well, you've made the right choice. Hopefully you're going to find some great information over the next few minutes about cannabis and a Canadian's cannabis culture, one toke at a time. This episode, we are going to take a peek at some industry insiders and their advice for our premier, John Horgan, who has said that he wants to improve the cannabis industry in our province. So we have some ideas for John. In addition to that, a conversation with a longtime friend of the podcast, Natasha Albert from Saskatoon. She's venturing into some new areas herself. We will chat about that and a whole bunch of other things about cannabis. Plus, I thought it was time for a bit of a review of where we are in retail here in the Okanagan. Things have changed marginally. A few new stores and some reviews of those stores coming up. All of that and more on episode 37 of the Cannabis Podcast. As I've said many times since starting this podcast, as the home of BC Bud, it's been a bit embarrassing how British Columbia has fared in legalization here in Canada. It was especially pleasing, I think it was Christmas Day, perhaps Boxing Day, to hear our Premier at a news conference say things like this. For those passionate about the issue of cannabis, stay tuned, the Premier said. We're going to continue to work as best we can to ensure that the consuming public gets a quality, safe product, and that we reap the benefits that we can of having a long tradition of cultivating cannabis here in B.C. It was so remarkable to hear our Premier finally acknowledge the history that this province has with cannabis. Now, he has tasked Mike Farnworth, the Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General, with finding solutions to that problem. And in a recent interview, Farnworth acknowledged that cannabis production has been a significant economic driver in rural communities. A failure to transition these producers would not only jeopardize our goal to reduce the illegal market, it would also be a lost opportunity to create stable jobs that support families and communities, Farnworth said. Marijuana Business Daily spoke with British Columbia-based industry stakeholders, and together they came up with 11 new policy ideas for the current government's consideration. Idea number one, end centralized warehousing without climate control. Travis Lane, a cannabis instructor at Camelson College and founder of Levity Solutions, says here in BC the government opted for an archaic method of distribution that includes the centralized warehousing of products. This decision ignores modern systems that include just-in-time fulfillment, which are still easily trackable by the regulator. As a result, we have an outdated and inefficient system. Number two, streamline criminal record checks, the application process. Dan Sutton, CEO of Tantalus Lab, says British Columbia needs to be on a sprint to 700 to 1,000 retail endpoints. Quantity of retailers is directly correlated to tax revenue collected, and our lagging rollout is the slowest in Canada. Number three, foster cooperation. Barinda Rassaud, co-founder and CEO of GrowTech, says an analysis they published in June concluded 1,300 licensed microcannabis producers and processors would create over 3,000 direct jobs in rural British Columbia. Number four, provincial support for craft industry. And Barinda Rosalt again says support for the craft cannabis industry in British Columbia could come in many ways, 
For Kraft, the province could provide tax incentives. Zoning in industrial zones and on agricultural land in the province should also be a part of any future action in support of Kraft cannabis proprietors. Number five, support for licensing. The licensing process is incredibly difficult, says Katie Connolly, co-owner of Sea Dog Farm Microcultivator. She had so many questions and no one to ask. And as we well know, the licensing process takes far too long. Number six, for Micro's cut-out liquor distribution branch. Katie Connolly again says there needs to be an avenue for a micro-cultivator processor farmer to ensure his cannabis goes to a local retailer so that he can contribute to his local economy. Number seven, work with municipalities on zoning. Paul Peterson, CEO of Nextleaf Solutions, says that one of the biggest challenges applicants have had to navigate is the lack of support from municipalities, specifically as it comes to zoning. Most municipalities have not been proactive in establishing clear criteria for where legal cannabis businesses can operate, particularly when it comes to cultivation and processing. Number eight, enable farm gate sales. Riaz Bandali, CEO of Emerald Health Therapeutics, says that he believes in a diverse and robust BC cannabis marketplace that allows for retailers and producers to be successful regardless of scale. To support the creation of this form of a regulatory level, he believes that one of the first things the provincial government should do is enable farm gate sales. Number nine, share tax revenues with municipalities. Ian Dawkins, co-founder of Ething Cannabis Consulting, says the provincial government should come out with a comprehensive and detailed plan about how cannabis excise tax revenue will be shared with local government and what the incentives are for hosting these businesses. Number 10, move cannabis to the jobs ministry. Jacqueline Pahota, special advisor for the Association of Canadian Cannabis Retailers, says, take cannabis away from the Solicitor General's mandate and hand it over to a more appropriate ministry like agriculture or jobs. And number 11, play hardball with the feds. Jody Emery, owner of Jody's Joint, says provincial and territorial governments in Canada should begin licensing their own cannabis producers outside the current Federal Health Canada framework. Some fabulous ideas. It would sure be nice to see our provincial government adopt some of those and make some major changes which gets BC back to the level that we earned for so many years, where we once again can be the proud home of BC Bud. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. I'm not so sure this is something that you want to celebrate, but here we are, here I am, on the coldest day of the year so far in the central Okanagan. We're sitting at minus 17 degrees Celsius out there this morning. Wind chill is taking you down to about minus 25 with the wind that is out there. Luckily, I'm in my home and I'm not suffering from any of that cold, although I have to go out and about and boy, you got to bundle up so warmly today. That's kind of what's setting me up for today. The coldest day of the year. Also just had my first hit of the day and I'm ready to go. It's a Wake and Bake Tuesday. And a Wake and Bake Tuesday where we're going to give Natasha Albert a call and see if we can check in and things, how things are back in uh, Saskatchewan. If we catch her. Hello. Good morning, Natasha. Good morning. How's it going? Yeah, it's going really well. How are you? I'm great. Excellent. Well, I, the, the question I have to ask, since this is Canada and it's winter, 
And here in the Okanagan, we are the coldest day of the year for us, which is about minus 17. Well, how are things in oh Saskatoon today? Currently, it is a minus 48 with the wind chill. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that hurts. <laughs> So if you want to trade. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, we'll just do an inversion flip here. You, you can have our minus 17 feel like it's warm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My car wouldn't even, didn't even want to start this morning. Wow. Yeah, well, even mine had a, had a bit of trouble getting going today. It had a, took a couple of cranks. It's winter in Canada, I guess. There's not much we can do about it, is there? Right. <laughs> so how have you been since the last time we chatted? I've been pretty decent. Um, I unfortunately had lost my job. Oh, did you? That, yeah, 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 that so, happens. Um, but yesterday I just got, um, I just had an interview and uh, it looks like I'll be um, working at another dispensary, which is nice. Oh, I'm glad to hear um, that. Yeah, I'm definitely trying my hardest to stay in the cannabis industry. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, everybody I... experiences that. I, I haven't really talked about it much on the show, but the same thing happened to me. I, uh, the place I was doing bud tending at in the last year for about seven months, there was some stuff that happened and just became a little too uncomfortable for me. And so I, I lost my employment about probably two months ago or so now, I guess. It yeah, happens. it's uh, it's yeah. still new, right? Like, and that's yeah. uh, that a lot of people are still learning with the within the industry, and Absolutely. Um, yep. yeah. So and there's definitely going to be some hiccups. There like, is. I feel for you, Natasha. It's it's no fun to go down that path, but uh, so you think that this is pretty positive? You, you're getting a new gig. Oh yeah, yeah. I had the uh, interview yesterday, and they really liked my resume and my knowledge nice. and everything. Um, the only issue that they had is I'm actually starting a podcast. Good for you. So, yeah, it's launching on January 31st, and it's going to be called Smoke Rings with Aquarius. Ah, uh-huh, nice. And, yeah, and uh, it's going to be talking, like, everything cannabis. Um, and I'm going to be uh, trying to focus more on the topic of parenting as a cannabis user. Okay, that's a good focus. So. Um, I'm not sure if you had seen it, but I, uh, CTV met up with me and I did a, a big segment with them regarding cannabis and parenting. Oh, good for and, you. No, I didn't uh, see that. Yeah. So it was in Saskatoon and I heard some people in like other provinces had seen it, but it may yeah. have just been like shared or yeah. whatnot. But, um, yeah, so, uh, that was a pretty big thing and that kind of kicked off my, podcast and now i've got quite a few people asking to to help me and all that joy so excellent yes well that's great to hear yeah Yeah. good for you natasha i'm (laughs) pleased for that it's always that the podcasting world is just huge there's so many podcasts out there and uh, there is everybody finds their niche and 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 if it works for you good for you I, i wish you all the best of luck on that I'd love to uh, love to hear it and, and when you get going. And if you ever need a guest, I'm always open to help you out with that, too. That'd be very oh, cool. absolutely. I would love to have you as a guest. Yeah, nice. Let's talk about, now, you may not have the perspective that, that uh, you had while you were still working, but you probably have a pretty good sense. Um, have edibles hit Saskatchewan yet? They have, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, we've got chocolates and tea, um, gummies, mints, like... It depends on what store that we are at, but uh, 
Um, yeah, so every store has like a different array or different selection, but yeah, we pretty much got them, got it all rolled out. Oh, nice. And, and did you find that that was creating more interest in the customers who were coming into your store with the, with the edible arrival? Uh, yes. So we had a huge influx of, uh, customers coming in. We did also have a bit of customers coming in and complaining again about the prices Always. and um, <laughs> definitely about the THC limit, which I do understand. Yeah, so do um, I. But I like to remind customers that I think the reason why it's so low is because the government isn't thinking about the seasoned users. Um, I think they're think- they're worried more about um, new consumers who may overindulge. <laughs> you are absolutely right in that, Natasha, and, and I'll give you an example of that. So I tried some I tried some chocolates. Um, they were the Chowie Wowies. Okay, yep. 10 milligrams each. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sensible approach to this. I'm going to come into this like I have no experience, and then I'll start with 10 milligrams. <laughs> What a what a disappointment that was, because <laughs> because I ate the whole thing and no and and I kind of tracked it. I came back and I recorded every thirty minutes or so to see whether I was feeding anything. Nothing, absolutely nothing. nothing. So I had two more. So I bought a total of thirty grams of them. Bought three chocolate bars. So so later that night, after the ten milligrams didn't do anything, I thought, okay, well let's just go immediately to twenty milligrams. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> What's oh, more, I felt absolutely nothing after consuming those. So my problem with, I mean, that was about the 30 bucks that I spent that, that gave me absolutely nothing. So uh, I think you're right. That, that is the government's intention. It is for those new coming into the industry from the edibles perspective. But now I guess seasoned tokers like myself and you've got to figure out what our dosage is. Have you tried any of them yet? I have. I've tried a few of the gummies and the chocolates, and like you said, it didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a low tolerance, okay, like for edibles. So um, my my tolerance level for edibles, I'd say, would be about twenty five to thirty five milligrams. Okay, and um, yeah, ten. Like usually, even with ten milligrams, I'll feel it. Like I I feel a little buzz, but um, even with these, I didn't feel nothing. <laughs> and like you said, it's highly disappointing. It is highly disappointing. Like, like for example, this morning, so I woke and woke, waked and baked. I'm always <laughs> trying to figure out what the past tense of waked and baked is uh, yeah. <laughs> this morning. And, you know, I smoked one joint before giving you a call this morning. I got a real nice buzz, feeling really good about it. And that's, I mean, I know that the THC is different. It's a different high with, with the edibles, but still, I'd, mm-hmm. I just, I'm waiting for that moment where I find that magic ingredient number and and get an an effect i guess i gotta keep trying some of them i don't know yeah the only way i found out was i the first time i tried edibles i took way too much okay so you did a bit of a green out (laughs) yeah yeah it was pretty bad (laughs) it it really can Um, be yeah it could be it was yeah the room was spinning and i was like okay i just need to go to sleep and sleep this off and i woke up fine but yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got, it was actually black market edibles that I had tried. So okay. it was stuff that I had gotten from Vancouver while I was there for four twenty. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I had ate. It was a full brownie, and they told me that it wasn't fully decarboxylated. So uh, if I wanted to to throw it in the oven for another thirty <laughs> minutes or so, and it would double it. 
Oh, so I'm wow. like, oh, sweet, you know, like, so I came home, I threw one in the oven and ate it immediately. And I'd say about 45 minutes later, it started to kick in and I was <laughs> feeling really good. And then it just became way too much. <laughs> yeah, two hours later, you were incapacitated on the coach, wondering how you were going to get up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's not a fun experience. I've, I've done that. I had one green out as well. I've talked about it before. And yeah, it was not a, not a fun experience. No, not at all. And um, that's something I like to re- like remind people, especially like being very, very cautious of um, their edibles, because, you know, as a new user, the last thing I want them to do is to take too much and then be scared. Exactly. Be, be scared. And, and the other thing that, that many people new coming in don't understand is that the length of time that you're going to be impaired is considerably longer. Uh, with the edibles oh, than it is from yep. smoke. And, and a lot of people don't get that. They forget about that part of it. So that's good. More education obviously needed and, and hopefully the product is going to continue to improve and, and I'll find an edible that actually has an effect on me. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I, I, now, the other thing I wanted to chat about was, um, have you noticed, because I certainly have, uh, the product coming out on the legal side of things from all the various LPs uh, is improving. The, the quality of it, the, uh, the dryness of it has improved considerably. It's not such a dry product. Have you experienced that same thing in, in Saskatchewan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've noticed that uh, not even, not only that, but even like the buds are just way like bigger. Yeah. They're, they have, they're more potent. Like when you open the bag, you can actually smell it. Or when yeah. you open the jar, you can really smell it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's definitely fresh. And I think that they're really paying attention to consumers and um, trying their hardest to, you know, step it up so that they can overtake the black market. That Absolutely. And, and uh, until they address those quality concerns, the, that was going to be a, a never-ending cycle. And I guess the next piece I'm hoping we start to see, and I know there's been some talk about this, there's... I can't think of the LP out there right now that has uh, been promoting a, an ounce for about 125 bucks. Um, oh, um, why can't I remember who it is? Yeah, yeah. I know who it is. <laughs> yeah, but. So do I. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to write it off to the fact that I'm stoned, and that's why I can't remember. <laughs> Let me interrupt myself to bring some clarity to my stone stupor. The name of the company that is producing the $125 ounce, and it's available in Quebec, company is Hexo, and the brand name is Original Stash. $125.70 taxes in. Now back to our regular programming. I'll look it up and, <laughs> yeah. and I'll try to post it on the website to, to, to figure out what that is. But, but I thought that was a good movement to, because once we get to quality, the other thing, the only way that we're going to deal with the black market is to deal with price. It has to come down in price. Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Yep, it and, is. Uh, and we do see, like, here, the prices have definitely been dropping. Okay. Um, there's been times, like, even Boxing Day, they had, like, some uh, 3.5s or 8s or whatever people call them um, for as low as $19. Oh, well, that's getting better. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, I definitely went and picked some of that stuff up because that's, Definitely cheap. Yeah, because with that, you're getting down to, you know, $160 ounce, which is yeah. under 200 which that, before legalization, that was kind of my mark with all the various dispensaries that were open here in BC. And, and you could go and get it. And that was kind of the mark that was established, a $200 ounce. And, I mean, still twice the price of the black market, but 
comparatively, oh, not, the, not the $360 ounces that some dispensaries are getting away with. So, I actually seen, where was it? Uh, so an LP recently dropped a, um, I think it was Whistler. They dropped a, um, a flower and it's CBG. Okay. So yeah. it's not CBD, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, there for an ounce of it, it was like, 600 and something. <laughs> wow. And uh, like, there's always that part of me that wants to somehow justify yeah. how, why they're making it so high. So I, I commented and I was like, it, it is, um, a harder to come by, um, ter- like, um, yeah, the CBG, CBG is, is like, absolutely. Yeah. Not. And, uh, I said, so maybe that's why they're charging so high. That doesn't mean that it's right. <laughs> But at the no, same time, I can kind of understand. Yeah, kind of understand a little bit. And I mean, there has to be, I uh, understand there's going to be some disparity in, in the prices. There is going to be bargain basements and, and you know, premium. Yeah. But I get that part of it. But does it have to be that premium? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know anybody that would go out and spend that much money on an ounce. No, no. And, and the other thing that I, I have noticed, again, from a uh, positive perspective, is I noticed some of the packaging. I picked up some strawberry cream. Um, mm. from one of the local dispensaries here, and it was in a beautiful little glass jar. It, oh, wow. It, yeah, it wasn't plastic. It's just this really nice, appropriately sized glass jar for 3.5 grams, and I was really impressed with that. That is very impressive. Yeah, Absolutely. I was really pleased to see that. I, th- I think that's where we need to get to so that we mm-hmm. get away from all this this heavy, heavy plastic that's out there in the cannabis industry. <laughs> Absolutely. Whether it can be recyclable or not, it's still adding to waste to yeah. our communities and everything in our landfills. And it's just exactly. unnecessary. Exactly. So as we head into 2020, Natasha, where do you think the industry is going to be at the end of the year? What What do you think we're going to accomplish this year? Mm, uh, I think definitely lower prices. Um, and I'm looking forward to more like local uh, licensed producers. Yes. Um, I do see more popping out in, in certain dispensaries. Um, so seeing like more local, uh, producers in our dispensaries and, um, just being able to have more variety as opposed to all these big name places that we're used to. That'd be really nice. Uh, I'd be, I'd be happy if we come to the end of the year and we've accomplished some of those things. Yeah, that'd be fabulous. Yeah, and I'm I'm really hoping for us to drop some of the stigma. Yep, that the, we still face. Absolutely, we still face it all the time. It it, it drives me absolutely bonkers. Um, it, so much the fact that I I think I've affected a, a a personal relationship we have with a couple that we used to get together with, and I have been so adamant about getting rid of the stigma that that. I think I think I might have pushed them away. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, the, the woman in this couple, she's the one who smokes most of the pot. And in all, all honesty, she's more paranoid now uh, about smoking pot than she was before legalization. Really? It's, yeah, it is, it is the weirdest and strangest thing. She does not want anybody to know she smokes it. She just, she's so defensive about it. And it's odd. Yeah, it is really I- odd. I guess in a way, like I can somewhat understand. I do know, like even um, in small towns, people are still very scared it's to go true. to their dispensary, yeah. and 
see who's going to notice them, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess my the, the reason why I have trouble, I understand it. I totally understand why they're there. But the reason why I'm so adamant against it is, I guess, because I have been a proponent of it for so long. I've never been opposed to admitting to anybody that I imbibe in cannabis and that it's a big part of my life. And I think we have to get to a stage where more of us are willing to do that before we start to truly affect the stigma. Absolutely. And it takes, uh, it takes like a whole unity of people yeah. to come together and end that stigma. And without all of us as a community, like a cannabis community joining together and trying to fight the stigma, it's not going to end. Mm-hmm. You got that. So. Absolutely. So, so we'll continue the fight. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be, and that's part of my job with my podcast. That's definitely going to be something that I'm going to be working towards is ending the stigma. And good for you. Congratulations again on, on starting the podcast. Uh, I'll get the details for you and I'll post some stuff so that people can, can find it when it's out. And awesome. always good to, <laughs> to share details about what's happening. Well, it's been another wonderful conversation, Natasha. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me today. Thank you for having me on again. So what have you got planned for today? What's on, what's on your plate? I'm uh, doing some dog sitting for a friend. I'm going to get baked and then probably go and chill out and watch some Netflix. Ah, nice. Well, you enjoy yeah. your day. Enjoy your bake session. And it's been wonderful Absolutely. chatting with you again. And we'll talk again soon. You too. You have a wonderful day. All right. Take care, Natasha. You as well. It has been a while since I've touched on the retail landscape especially the retail landscape here in the Okanagan. And despite the fact that I've been harping on this since for well over a year now, at the glacial pace with which stores are being opened, it's still pretty well the same. (laughs) There are now, that's not perhaps quite true, because there are some stores open now. In fact, in Kelowna now, central Kelowna, there are now two stores which are open, Hobo, which we talked about when we first went to the grand opening. And then a new one opened. This is up in another area of Kelowna. It's referred to as the Rutland area. Right beside a long-term paraphernalia shop, Mary Jane's headquarters. They've been selling bongs and pipes for years out of that location. And right next to them now is Chiba's Chiba's. I found, especially compared to Hobo, which we've talked about and was a bit of a spa-like feel, to walking into that store. That's what a number of people have expressed to me. Chiba's Chiba's was kind of the opposite end of that, like you're like you're going into the fast food cafeteria kind of thing. Just a long counter, well, not even that long of a counter. It was a very small store. And just one single counter. There were a couple of butt bars there for you to take a peek at. I kind of apologize because I don't really remember the butt bars. <laughs> Maybe it's because I, what I purchased, I went home and I quickly forgot about it. But it was a, a nice store, good people. And I, I have found you know, relatively good people in every store that I've gone to so far. Chiba's Chiba's the same. You pick up your order and they pull up an iPad. All the orders, of course, are going into that. They go into the back, grab your order, and away you go. Very quick, very efficient. And then my wife and I went to the third store in our area. Of course, when Spirit Leaf opened their store in Vernon, I went up, took a visit, in fact, did an interview with Sarah Ballantyne, really enjoyed that store. Now Spirit Leaf has a store in West Kelowna. So my wife and I went there a couple weekends ago. 
That's where we picked up some strawberry cream. Um, and, oh, wonderful, wonderful that was. Some indica packaged 3.5 grams in an appropriately sized glass jar. I was really impressed with that. Nice store. Really like the layout of the Spirit Leafs and how they've taken the approach of let's get rid of the stigma. Let's discover, in fact, something incredible each and every day. And I like that philosophy. The stores are very attractive, not spa-like, yet also not like the dispensaries that we were all going into a few years back, where as soon as you opened the door, you went, whoa, there's that heavy smell of pot. You don't get that when you walk into the Spirit Leaf in West Kelowna. Uh, Michael and Holly are the owners of that and both wonderful people. And really a nice store. I like the layout. There's a fair number of bud bars where you can get a good sense of what's there. Everything else is also laid out on a series of electronic menus on displays in the store. And the other integration piece that I'm really enjoying is the integration with Leafly. Now, I know a lot of places, Hobo included, have a menu on Leafly. uh, But I really just like that convenience. Because today, for example, I made a return visit and... First of all, took a look on Leafly, and I was looking for a couple of sativas and a couple of indicas, and I had a price point in mind to see if I could meet that price point, and I was able to. I found quarters of each of those, two, in fact, of each of those, for less than $50. Now, that's still not black market price, but it's a price that I'm comfortable in paying, and it's a price that I think I'm getting my money's worth, so... I went today and Holly was there and she served me and I walked away with four packages, all fairly fresh, all within, I think October was the oldest one of the packages that I got. And I've been pretty impressed with the product. Perhaps we'll do a cultivar corner on one of those in the next episode. So that's a bit of a summary of how retail has changed. Now there's still a bunch of stores we are waiting for. There's in fact a spirit leaf that's supposed to be opened in Kelowna. They're still waiting for their provincial license. That's in a great location right on the highway in central Kelowna. I'm really looking forward to that location opening because it's eight blocks away from my house. (laughs) So that'll be wonderful. Plus, there's another four or five that have already been given their license by the city of Kelowna, but are still waiting for that provincial licensing. So I'd have to say that it is still moving at a fairly glacial pace, although the fact that there now are a number of stores opened in the Okanagan. It is getting better. But as people are saying, until we get sufficient number of retail outlets open, our provincial governments are not going to be getting the revenue that they were expecting from the cannabis industry. As usual, if you're looking for the links to any of the stories I talked about today, you'll find it at CannabisPodcast.com. Any comments, any suggestions for future guests or stories that I should touch on, info at CannabisPodcast.com. Next week, I'm going to have another conversation, this time with a fellow that I've just met recently. He's another bud tender here in the Okanagan. His name is Devin Locke, and you and I are both going to meet him next week. So come on back then. That about does it for episode 37 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis-Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley... This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.